Hello and welcome to the student ministry podcast of Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. I am Pastor Jules, and I'm excited that you have decided to join us here. The teaching or conversation you are about to hear is from our youth group ministry. I hope that you will find it encouraging. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at cedarcrest.church students. Uh, two weeks ago, we met and we talked about Jesus healing the man who was born blind. We looked at how the man born blind was healed by Jesus, but then he was brought before the Pharisees. You guys remember the story? Okay, one person shook their head yes. Does anyone else remember? Okay, a few more. Okay, all right, thumbs up. All right, good. Um, so there was a trial that happened because the Pharisees did not know what to do with this man. Um, does anyone remember what they first uh, accused him of? Lying. Lying, okay. That was not the first thing they, he accused, they accused him of. Was it defiling uh, the Sabbath? No. Nope. We're talking about the blind man. What did they accuse the blind man of? Of being what? Huh? Oh, you were talking, I couldn't hear what you were saying. Of being uh, not the same guy, right? Being a doppelganger, being a twin, being someone who was not born blind, right? And so what do they do? He says that he is the man, and then what do they do? Bring his parents in, right? His parents come in. Uh, his parents really don't want anything to do with it. Not because necessarily they don't love uh, their son, but because they don't want to be cast out of the synagogue. And so they rejected their own son to not be cast out of the synagogue. Um, and then they kept asking over and over again uh, the man of what happened because they were not satisfied with his response. All right. And so the man born blind asked them, was the reason that you keep asking me is because you are interested in being his disciples. And to that, they did not like that response. They did not like what the blind man had to say. And so they cast him out. Um, I want to pick up for tonight where that story left off in John 9, 35 to 41. And this will kind of give us our context of going into John 10 tonight. John 9, 35 to 41 says this. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him. He said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see your guilt remains. And so the Pharisees seem to understand that Jesus was at least referring to them being spiritually blind, that he was addressing the Pharisees. And so we're going to pick up in John 10 with him uh, talking, conversing with 
the Pharisees. But before we read John 10, let me uh, pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this evening. Father, I pray now as we get into your word um, that you would just grant us understanding and help us to apply the truth of your word um, to our lives. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so John 10, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 21. This is what Jesus has to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The word of the Lord. So Jesus starts off here by talking about shepherds. And what does a shepherd do? Takes care of sheep. Pretty straightforward. A shepherd cares for his sheep. He takes care of them. Shepherds take care of sheep. They take care of their needs. They uh, lead them to food, to water. They protect them. They care for them. And throughout the Bible, God is illustrated as a shepherd. Let me share with you just a quick few passages that talk about God being a shepherd. Isaiah 40:11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Ezekiel 34, 31. And you are my sheep. 
human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord. And of course, Psalm 23, 1 through uh, 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The Pharisees would have known these verses. They would have known that in the Old Testament, God refers to himself as a shepherd. And so when Jesus starts talking about being the good shepherd, these verses would have come to mind for the Pharisees. Jesus begins by saying, truly, truly, this is to grab their attention. This is to say, hey, what I have to say is important. R.C. Sproul explained, whenever we read the text of scripture, our Lord giving a statement that is prefaced with a double amen, it is time to pay close attention. And so Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, for us to fully understand what Jesus is talking about here, we need to understand what a shepherd did back in Jesus's time. So in each village, there was a large sheepfold. The sheepfold was usually against a building with rocks around that building leading to a gate. It would have been a large sheepfold and many shepherds would come with their flocks to drop their sheep off with the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper would keep watch for thieves and robbers and wolves to protect the sheep while the shepherds would go rest or find lodging for the evening. So each night the shepherds would bring their, their flock to the sheepfold and there would be a number of different shepherds and at the door was a gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper would guard them, guard the sheep for the shepherd. And in the morning when the true shepherd would come, the shepherd that would belong to those sheep, he would call his sheep and his sheep would come. The gatekeeper would open the door for the shepherd. Now, Jesus here is not actually talking about a sheepfold. Rather, the sheepfold represents something. In verse 1, the sheepfold represents Judaism. Uh, A.W. Uh, Pink says the sheepfold here is not heaven for thieves and robbers because they do not climb into it, nor is it the church, as some have strangely supposed, for the, sheep, the shepherd does not lend, lead his sheep out of that as he does from this fold. No, the, shepherd, the sheepfold is manifestly Judaism, in which some of God's elect were then to be found, and the contrast pointed in these opening verses between the true shepherd and the false ones, between Christ and the Pharisees. And so what we're getting from this passage, what we see Jesus doing in this passage, is that Jesus is calling the Pharisees the thieves and the robbers. They are false shepherds. They should have been the ones who care for the people of Israel. 
They should have been the ones who pointed the people of Israel to God. They should have been the one that leads them to greener pastures. They should have loved the sheep as a shepherd loves his sheep. But they don't do that. Instead, they only care about their status and their own gain. The Greek word for thief means one who steals. And the Greek word for robber means one who uses violence. Jesus is describing for us the motives of the Pharisees. They were the false religious leaders of Israel. Their ministry was not devoted to the good of the people. It was, voted, it was devoted to themselves, to their own gain. The excommunication of the healed blind men is actually proof and shows us just how savage that the Pharisees could be. J.C. Ryle explains the object was to show the entire unfitness of the Pharisees to be pastors and teachers of the Jews because they had not taken up their office in the right spirit and with the right understanding of the work they had to do. I think what this shows us is that we need to realize that there are false shepherds in the world. We need to understand that danger that is out there. And we need to be careful who we allow to have spiritual authority over us. There are many in this world who would use spiritual things for their own personal gain. They would control people and manipulate people by twisting the scriptures. Does anyone know what we just celebrated this past weekend? Halloween. Thank you for saying Halloween. That's not the right answer. But it did happen on October 31st. Does anyone else want to take a guess? What do we celebrate? Yes, we celebrated uh, the Reformation. So uh, back in October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther did not like what he saw from the Catholic Church. And so he nailed what is known as his 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church. He had an issue with what he was seeing because the Catholic Church was selling what is called indulgences. So the Catholics believe in a place called purgatory. It is a place that they believe is where you go to pay for the rest of your sins until you are pure enough to enter into heaven. Now, let me be clear that there is nowhere in Scripture that talks about such a place as purgatory. But what the Catholic Church was doing at this time was that they were preaching uh, purgatory and telling people that they would be able to have a shorter sentence in purgatory by giving the Catholic Church money. They were twisting and manipulating Scripture to take advantage of people to gain money for the church. And Martin Luther had a problem with it. And that's what we celebrated last weekend. Things like this still go on today. We see many people who will even use the name of Jesus to twist and manipulate things to get you to give them money. And so we need to be aware that there are false 
shepherds in the world. We also need to be aware how to fight them. How do we fight false shepherds? Look with me at verse 3. To him, the true shepherd of the sheep, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. So how we fight against false teacher, teachers is to know the shepherd, to know the true shepherd, Jesus Christ. We cannot know the voice of Jesus without knowing Jesus. And so we first must know him. After we know him, we need to listen to his voice. We need to be in the word of God. We need to know what the scriptures say. We need to know what is truth in, in order to differentiate between the Lord's voice and a stranger's voice. Now, you guys live in a day and age where you have technology in your hand 24-7. And there are a lot of voices out there trying to get your attention. I know for me personally, I can spend hours on Instagram just scrolling mindlessly through the video feed and hear a lot of bad stuff. And the question is, what are you allowing to go into your ears? What strangers are you listening to? Who is leading you away from the true shepherd? Do you, do you guard yourself against those things? Do you allow garbage to come into your mind and your heart? Or do you fill your heart and your mind with the truth of God's word? We need to then follow him as he leads us. And if we hear a stranger's voice, we need to flee. That's how we fight against false shepherds. We flee from them. We recognize that they are false shepherds and we flee. Now, this is not to say that we don't need spiritual teachers like pastors in our lives. God has put pastors in place as under shepherds to him. The pastor's job is to care for you, to care for the sheep. A good, trusting under shepherd will always preach Christ and him crucified and risen again. Flee from any pastor who does not preach the name of Jesus. If any past, past, pastor has a message other than Jesus, run. Now, Jesus here in this passage is talking more about salvation. He's talking about his elect who are among the Jews that he has come to save, just like the man who was born blind. Jesus, as the true shepherd, will call his sheep by name. They will hear his voice and, they will, and he will lead his sheep away from the Pharisees 
and into salvation. The Pharisees have placed hard burdens on the people, but Jesus, as the good shepherd, sets people free. The Pharisees cast people out when they don't like them or what they have to say, but Jesus receives them. Do you know Jesus? Do you know his voice? Do you let him lead your life? Or are you listening to strangers? Are you obeying other voices? Are you looking for voices that simply agree with your opinions rather than the truth of God's word? Are you trying to lead your own life instead of allowing the shepherd to lead you? If that's so, then your life will lead you to death, to eternal damnation. But Jesus is inviting you to come and to follow him to life. The Pharisees being spiritually blind don't understand what Jesus is talking about here. Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And how ironic is it that the ones who claim to know God, to them the Son of God was the stranger. They didn't know Jesus as their shepherd. They didn't know his voice. They did not follow him. Look with me what it says at verse 7. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come... Came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So again, to fully understand what Jesus is talking about here, we need to understand what shepherds did during Jesus' time. Jesus brings up two different sheepfolds in this passage. The first one is the community sheepfold where many shepherds would come. But sometimes the shepherd would stay out in their fields at night with their flock. And so the shepherds would have stones that were built either in a circular form or a square form. And they would have briars placed on top of those stones to try to prevent anything from climbing over and getting into the sheep. The one thing that the folds would not have out in the field is a gate or a door. And so the shepherd would lay down and be the door or the gate to the fold in order to prevent any sheep from getting out or anything like wolves from getting in. Pink again explains that the door of the sheep is to be distinguished from the door of the sheepfold in verse 1. The latter is the divinely appointed way in which Christ entered Judaism in contrast from the false pastors of Israel who conducted uh, evidence plainly that they had thrust themselves into office. The door of the sheep was Christ himself by which the elect of Israel passed out of Judaism. There is only one entrance to the sheepfold. 
Likewise, there's only one entrance to salvation, and that is through the door, Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. There are many who say that Jesus is a way, or in this case, a door. But Jesus clearly says that he is the door. Jesus makes it clear that any religious leaders that offer salvation other than the teachings of Christ is a thief and a robber. Jesus is both our shepherd and our door to the sheepfold who provides for all the needs and protects the sheep from predators. Notice too that Jesus is the door, not the wall. Jesus said, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We cannot enter by another way. We do not climb the ladder of achievement or scale a height to enter into heaven. We cannot pay money. We cannot do enough good deeds. We cannot perform religious practices to get into heaven. We do not scale the walls. Jesus is the door. And those who enter by him with simple faith are immediately received into everlasting life. Now, when it comes to everlasting life, we often think of it in terms of the quantity. It is life everlasting. But in John 10.10, Jesus emphasizes the quality of the life that he gives. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give abundant life to the sheep. Jesus meets the needs of the sheep. Meeting the needs of the sheep was the shepherd's main job. He needed to make sure that all their needs were met, whether it be food, water, protection. The shepherd absorbed all of his time and energy to taking care of the sheep. And Jesus does not just persevere life, but he provides for our needs. Jesus cares for us and he will meet our needs. Now, this is not the prosperity gospel. He does not promise us here health, wealth, and prosperity. One commentator explains, abundant life means something more meaningful than material wealth and prosperity. It begins with salvation from an eternity of suffering, the penalty of sin. An abundant life is first and foremost eternal life. The abundant life means gaining a heavenly perspective, leading to a growing trust and knowledge of God. It means blossoming into a life full of fruit of the Spirit. While false teachers and false religions offer shallow, temporary relief, only Jesus brings true, everlasting life and spiritual abundance. And when we know Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we can say with David in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
So how, does, how is Jesus able to offer us eternal life? Eternal, abundant life. How does he offer that to us? Look with me at verses 11 to 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep so that he can offer us eternal, abundant life. Jesus... The one who made you and me, the eternal son of God, stepped off of his throne, became one of us, lived a life of perfect obedience to the father and willingly went to the cross to die for your sins. And three days later, he rose again. He is the one who willingly laid down his life. And he is the one who had authority to do so and authority to take it back up again. Just like a shepherd, Jesus fought for us. He saved us by his blood. He was not a hired hand who flees from danger, but he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. That was his mission. That was why he came. To give you eternal, abundant life. Jesus said that he has sheep that are not of this fold. We need to remember again, he's talking specifically to the Pharisees. So by saying that he has sheep that are not of this fold, he's specifically talking about Gentiles. Both Jews and Gentiles are both only able to be saved through Jesus Christ. He will bring in people from every tribe and every tongue into his sheepfold. There will be one flock and one shepherd. And as Christians, that means we belong to something. The problem with the American church is that we often make faith very personal. And to a point that is true, God personally saves us. But God does not save us simply to, for a relationship with him, but he also saves us to something. We belong to the sheepfold of God, to the flock. We need the church. You need other believers in your life. 
What do you think happens to a sheep who is by himself? He's susceptible to attacks, to wolves coming, to danger. We need to understand that there should not be any lone sheep. God has given you other sheep to be friends with, to belong to, to love one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another. And as the church, we should love and care for one another. No matter who we are, if you are a Christian, then you belong to the flock of God. He saw you as so precious that he paid for your salvation with his blood. And if Christ sees you as so precious that he paid for you with his blood, then as Christians, we should see one another as precious too. We should care for each other. We should love one another. Over and over again, throughout the gospel accounts, we see Jesus slip away when the Jews wanted to kill him because it was not yet his time. And when they came that night that he was betrayed, he allowed them to come. He actually sent Judas to go do what has been placed in his heart to do. He was the one who had authority to lay down his life. And he was the one who had authority to take it up again. We need to care about one another. So a question I want you guys to ask yourselves is how is this youth group perceived? Are we welcoming to other sheep? Do we love and care for one another? Or do we find ourselves just going off with one or two other sheep and doing our own thing and not really caring about the others? There's nothing wrong with having close friends. But if that's all that we're dedicating our time to and we're not welcoming, we're not loving, then we're not doing what the flock is called to do. And so my challenge for you guys is to show one another care, to show one another love, to welcome one another, to befriend each other. Jesus laid down his life willingly so that you and I could love one another. He did it for his flock. And we should praise him and worship him for that. The Jews continued to debate who Jesus was. Verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? To the world, this doesn't make sense. Jesus' teaching about sacrificial love does not make sense. That the shepherd would lay his life down for the sheep does not make sense. To the world, it is crazy. Some thought that he had a demon. Others were drawn to his teachings and his miracles for opening the eyes of the blind. But what about you? Do you believe 
that Jesus is the good shepherd? Or do you believe that he is crazy, insane, ludicrous? The world is confused and divided over who Jesus is. Some think that he is not a God. Some think that he is just a good moral teacher. Some think that he is one of many ways to heaven. But it is clear from this passage that Jesus is not a way, but the way. That salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. And there is still others who are sheep that he is calling to himself. Is he calling you? If so, then your response to this message is to repent and believe. To have abundant eternal life today. That is what Jesus is offering you. He's inviting you to come into his sheepfold. And if he has already called you, if you are one of his sheep, then continue to follow and obey. Continue to listen. Continue to trust. Continue to worship the good shepherd and continue to love and care for the other sheep. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed this teaching. Please visit us at cedarcrest.church/students.